Welcome to the podcast for Sunday, February 5th, 2017. May God use this as a blessing to you today. Let us pray. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. All right, so I know we've been raising hands a lot with with dog pictures before, but one last thing. Some people are dog people, some people are cat people. Let me see the cat people. Raise your hand. Okay. Uh, How many dog people? How many have households with both? Okay, and how many would be uh, no thank you? Okay, that's right. Uh, Jody and I are okay around cats. In fact, Jody loves petting them, but... Um, she's allergic to them, so she only pet them for a certain... It's like the, 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 the ticking bomb kind of goes off. She gets as many seconds of petting as she can before she has to go wash her hands and start sneezing. But we love dogs. We have been dog people um, ever since we got married. I, I wanted to show you a few pictures of dogs that have been in our life in the last couple decades. Uh, this is our dog, Kula. We got her from the Humane Society in Hilo, Hawaii, just before our daughter, Emily, was born. She's 19 now. Uh, Kula was three years at the time. And we had Kula until Emily was in high school, and she was such a sweet and gentle dog. Uh, This is Snickerdoodle. Uh, We got him when Ezra was playing soccer. One of the teammates uh, gave Snickerdoodle. He really looked like a a tiny Snickerdoodle cookie. Um, As he grew much bigger, we just called him Dude instead of Snickerdoodle. Uh, He, believe it or not, his mother was a Pomeranian. I know. His dad was probably like the Jolly Green Giant or something because he got to be 50 pounds. Uh, He was an outdoor dog, but every once in a while, like seriously, we bathed him, I think, three times a year. Uh, And after bathing, we let him in the house, and this picture was taken after he was running around and playing in the house with us for a while. And then during our last few years in Hawaii, uh, a church member gave us Minnie. She was a seven-pound Minnie pincher, and she thought she ruled the world. Yeah. Living in the high desert, we haven't picked up a dog yet. We're renting, and we're not really able to have dogs. So um, I traveled down to Anaheim to meet my friend Doug. (laughs) Not as much cleaning up after him, but it costs a lot to get in to see him, I'll tell you that. Well, welcome to the sixth and final week in our series, Faith in Disney. And each Sunday, so far in 2017, we've been looking at a different full-length Disney animated film and seeing what kind of elements of faith we can discover uh, therein. And although uh, Lady and the Tramp does have the, the infamous Siamese cats that make an appearance, you have to say that this is a dog movie par excellence. Released in 1955, it was the highest grossing Disney movie since Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, which first came out in 1937. Now, you may notice how skinny the screenshot appears on this title page. Well, Lady and the Tramp was the first feature-length animated movie, not just Disney movie, but animated movie, to be made in widescreen. And in fact, Walt made both a standard Academy ratio version and uh, a widescreen cinemascope uh, version as well. Not all theaters at that time could handle cinemascope. This was the widest film the company has ever created. Now, to give you a perspective, back in 1955, the red square was a traditional movie uh, movie theater screen. The yellow, uh, poorly outlined, squiggly blob that I tried to make, that's the cinemascope ratio. All this to say that Lady and the Tramp was groundbreaking for Disney. Now, on with our story. Our movie begins early on a Sunday, uh, on a Christmas morning in a quiet little town in middle America somewhere. 
And as the camera zooms in, we find ourselves looking on one particular house. We see their lovely Christmas tree with beautifully wrapped presents underneath. And inside that pink and yellow round box, the woman of the house, known simply as Darling throughout the movie, opens it up to find a cute little cocker spaniel puppy. She looks so prim and proper that they name her Lady. And that night, Darling and her husband, who's known as Jim Deer, they put Lady into her own little doggy bed downstairs. But as most puppies are wont to do, the Lady would rather have spent time with Jim Deer and Darling. So she makes her way out of the bed. Of course, this dance of out of the bed, into the bed, out of the bed, into bed goes on all throughout the night. But Lady is persistent, and eventually she makes it out of the kitchen, up the long flight of stairs to express her displeasure at the separation personally to her owners. Of course, they let her stay with them in bed, but just this once, right? Who's been there before with that? Yeah, yeah. Well, time passes, and she's still at the foot of their bed. Uh, But now Lady has grown up. She's got the run of the place. She enjoys frolicking outside with the birds and chasing away the rats and fetching the morning paper for Jim Deere and Darling to read. Then one day her owners decide, you know, it's time that Lady have her own uh, dog license and collar. She shares it with her two neighbor friends, a Scotty named Jock and a bloodhound named Trusty, and they admire it with great affection. Oh, you're wearing the greatest honor man can bestow, says Trusty. Ah, it's a badge of respectability, comments Jock. And just then, uh, Jim Deere returns home from work, so Lady rushes over to greet them, to greet him on the front porch. And he gives her a treat, and we see that they just love being together. And at the end of this scene, uh, the owners say, I can't imagine anything could ever take her place in our hearts. Uh, Well, the scene shifts to the other side of town, or actually the other side of the tracks, to be more specific. And in a back alleyway, crawling out of an abandoned barrel, we get to meet Tramp. He's quite a contrast between his lifestyle and ladies, but he doesn't appear to be worse for the wear. After a good stretch, he gets a drink of water from a nearby puddle. Tramp proceeds to find himself some breakfast. Now, he has a number of local establishments that regularly feed him, but today he settles on Tony's, and he receives a juicy bone from Joe. He takes it back to the neighborhood to eat, and that's when we get our first video clip of the day. Let's watch. Due to copyright restrictions, we're unable to play you the audio portion of the video clips. We hope that you watch it on your own copy or find them on YouTube. Well, after eluding the dog catcher, Tramp finds himself in what he calls Snob Hill. I bet they have a lid on every trash can and a fence around every tree, he says. Finishing with, I wonder what the leash and collar set does for excitement. Well, then the camera shifts back over to uh, Lady's front yard, and Jock and Trusty notice she's... She's not being her quite usual jubilant self. She says she's not being mistreated or anything. It's just that, well, things are a little bit different around the house. Jim Deere doesn't greet her on his way home like he used to, and Darling seems preoccupied. In fact, she doesn't want to even play with Lady at her regularly scheduled time each day. Jock and Trusty Wise, beyond their years, know exactly what's happening. Uh, you heard of the birds and the bees? The stork? A baby is coming, they tell her. Well, she has no idea what a baby is, so they proceed to explain how messy yet how wonderful babies can be. And just then, Tramp wanders by. He overhears their conversation and proceeds to give his his two cents 
about what babies truly are. They're just cute little bundles of trouble. Let's watch. Well, the months pass by, baby showers come and go, and before they know it, April showers have arrived, and so has the baby. It's a baby boy. And despite not knowing exactly what a baby is, Lady ventures into the nursery to see for herself. As Darling is singing and rocking the little, little one, Lady tries to get a view, and Jim Deere comes in behind and picks her up, and you can see that it's love at first sight. The family has been restored. Unity is together, and all is right in the world. Now, the following morning, though, Lazy Lady is puzzled by the motion and commotion. Her, her owners are going on a weekend getaway. Her protective instincts kick in, and Lady's worried that they're abandoning this new baby that they brought into the house. Well, they assure her it's only for a few days, and don't worry, Aunt Sarah is going to come to watch the baby. Well, Aunt Sarah is voiced by Verna Felton. I, as soon as she started talking, I knew immediately that she was the good fairy, the fairy godmother in Cinderella. And then I went on IMDb and I found out not only was she uh, the fairy godmother, she was also Aunt Flora in Sleeping Beauty. She was the Queen of Hearts in Alice in Wonderland. She was Mrs. Jumbo in Dumbo. And she was one of the elephants in The Jungle Book. Plus, she's the real-life mother of the man that voiced Jim Deere in this movie. Well turns out that uh, Aunt Sarah is very protective of the baby, and she doesn't want Lady anywhere near him. So after being kicked out of the nursery, Lady meets two new strangers, uh, Aunt Sarah's Siamese cats. Now, if you were ever on the fence between dog person, cat person, once you watch this film, man, you're going over to the dog side, because these cats are pure evil. They first ignore Lady... They, and they start about uh, wrecking havoc in the house. They trash the piano. They terrorize the bird. They try to have a little sushi with the fish. They st set off to go upstairs to steal the baby's milk. But then Lady chases them back downstairs. And after a bit of a tussle, and Sarah comes down to find her little angel sprawled out on the floor, obviously having been attacked by the vicious dog. So she takes them back upstairs to the nursery, which is where they wanted to go in the first place. And they congratulate themselves on their cunning and trickery. Aunt Sarah knows something must be done to curb this dog's savagery. And so that's when this scene appears. Now, I've waited uh, this long to get into the movie uh, for our faith theme of the day. And that's because we had to meet Aunt Sarah. She is the embodiment of, I think, what Jesus was telling his disciples in today's passage when he says, don't judge. Luke 6, 37 to 38 says this. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. Well, in our film, Aunt Sarah has already prejudged Lady as being a troublemaker. Doc and Trusty have judged Tramp as a worthless mongrel from the other side of the tracks. Tramp has judged ladies' owners as being fickle human beings who will simply ignore her after the baby was born. And there's even more episodes of judging that comes throughout the rest of the film. So Jesus must have been on to something. This is his first sermon, by the way, in Luke's gospel. We humans have a hard time with that, don't we, when it comes to judging others? William Lloyd Allen, in his commentary, Feasting on the Gospels, remarks how the phrase or the word to judge can have a couple of meanings. 
First, it can mean to, to form an opinion about someone, like whether or not a person is acting in accordance to Christian principles. But it also can carry a legal sense of passing sentence on the guilty, as in a courtroom judge who condemns criminals to prison time. Well, Alan is saying that Luke uses the second definition of to judge here. Jesus isn't forbidding us to form opinions about people based on how we experience them. But what he is doing, however, is prohibiting condemnation based on our limited discernment. In reality, there's so much we don't know about one another, isn't there? A good judge needs to have all the facts of a case before pronouncing judgment. And rarely will we know all there is to know about someone else. So it's best to not even judge at all, Jesus says. Leave that part up to God. Now, there's a second part of this passage, uh, a parable about someone who's got a log stuck in their eye, but is trying to get a speck out of a neighbor's eye. You hypocrite, chides Jesus. (laughs) First take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll be able to see clearly. William Lloyd Allen remarks, Jesus' point is twofold. First, judging will put your eyes out. And second, forgive and your eyes will be open to see God's purposes, your own good, and some sinners saved. Friends, God alone is our judge. It is not our job. Our job as disciples and followers of Jesus is to be a witness to God's grace and mercy and forgiveness, not condemnation. And we all have work to do in this area, don't we? Especially at this point in time in our nation's history, the political climate is so tense right now, and people from a variety of viewpoints are falling into the trap of judging others. I know I've been guilty of this lately. We have our own opinions about people and politics, sure, but we also have to do that with a genuine sense of humility, knowing that we don't know all there is to know about those who differ in opinions or belief. Our job is not to judge. Our job is to offer grace. John Wesley, who was the founder of Methodism, once said that it's human nature to be misinformed, misguided, and sometimes just plain wrong about things we think we know. I think all of us, myself included, can use a big dose of humility and grace right now. We're so passionate about our beliefs, we easily begin to see those that disagree with us as being the enemy. That's not right. God sees all of us as we are, people in need of forgiveness. And so Jesus says, that's what I invite you to do, into those relationships where the transforming power of love can take place, not condemnation. When we last left Lady, she was making a mad dash out of the pet store, complete with her brand spanking new muzzle. And she's wildly running through the streets. Of course, she's scared, and she's worried, and she's frantic. Her leash begins hooking onto a variety of items. The ruckus attracts uh, unwanted attention of some stray dogs who begin chasing her. And they run right into Tramp's neck of the woods. He jumps out and tries to protect Lady. A dogfight ensues, and despite the three-to-one odds, Tramp is able to send the other dogs scurrying off on their way. And that's when he gets a good look at Lady and her unfortunate muzzle. But always with a plan up his sleeve, Tramp takes Lady over to the zoo to have it removed. And after looking around at some possible options, they settle upon this beaver, an industrious beaver, after explaining how this handy-dandy log puller can cut the beaver's log hauling times by 66%, the beaver uses his powerful teeth to cut through the harness, and voila, he's the new owner of a handy-dandy log puller. 
well, it's getting late, and Tramp decides to take Lady out for dinner. He shows her a variety of options available for a dog who's not tied down to just one family. When you're footloose and collar-free, he says, you take nothing but the best. And Tramp settles on Tony's, which leads to one of the most iconic scenes, not only in this film, but in all of Disneydom. Let's watch. Well, after dinner, the couple meander through the local park. They end up watching the moon and the stars atop a hillside. The next morning, when the sun rises, uh, the two dogs awake, and Lady is worried that she's been out, out all night without going home. Tramp invites her to open her eyes to what a dog's life can really be, beyond life on a leash, beyond fences. There's a great big world out there, he says. Well, it sounds wonderful, she replies, but, but who's going to watch over the baby? All right, you win, he says. I'll take you home. And it's on their way home that Tramp asks Lady, Hey, have you, you ever chased chickens before? Uh, no, I haven't, actually, she says. Well, let's start building some memories. And Lady's worried, uh, are we going to hurt the chickens? And Tramp says, no, 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 we're just going to, you know, stir them up a little bit. That's exactly what they do. Uh, Lady wasn't so sure, though, these were the kind of memories that she wanted to build. And then the owner of the chickens uh, starts shooting at them, so they have to go back under the fence, down the road, uh, to escape. Well, what an adventure Lady and the Tramp are having. And as she's trying to keep up with Tramp and the escape, she doesn't see the dog catcher's noose as it reaches out to get her. In fact, Tramp didn't see it as well. When he eventually noticed that she's no longer with him, she, he turns around and goes back to try to find where she went, but she's nowhere to be found because she's on her way to the dog pound. I think next to the spaghetti bellanote scene, the dog pound scene is one of my favorites in, in the movie. It's quite a production from the uh, doggy uh, quartet, ironically singing, There's No Place Like Home, or barking, No Place Like Home. I love how the shadows make it look like uh, jail costumes or... Um, outfits, uh, to the wide-angle views of the inhabitants there, and poor Nutsy that has to take the long walk through the one-way door. Uh, this scene is beautifully illustrated and animated. Well, the dogs in the pound uh, tease Lady when she enters. Obviously, she's a different class of dog altogether, but Peg stands up for her and quells their teasing. And then they start talking about Tramp and how that's one dog that always finds a way to elude the dog catcher. Then ladies shocked to hear about Tramp's Achilles heel, they said, but you know, he's got it for the dames, right? And they start listing off his previous girlfriends, Lulu, Trixie, Fifi, and Rosita, Chiquita, Juanita, Chihuahua. <laughs> That's where the iconic song, uh, He's a Tramp, comes in. And I'm grateful that, that Neil and Dathan didn't play He's a Tramp in church. It didn't have the same, you know, connection as the love song that we did. But in the end... Uh, because of her dog tag and license, Lady is claimed, presumably by Aunt Sarah, uh, and she bids goodbye to this chapter of her life. You're too nice a girl to be caught in this place, uh, remarks the kennel worker as he leads her out. And we're left to wonder just what effect this internment had upon Lady. Well, back at home, Lady is now confined to the doghouse outside, and that's when Jock and, and Trusty come a-calling, and their plan is they don't want to leave her in the doghouse, so they each will propose marriage to her. Now, they're a little bit older, not quite in the prime of their life anymore, but they do have two nice houses, and she's free to live with either one of them. She's flattered, but before she can turn them down, who should come waltzing in but Tramp? He's brought a bone as a peace offering, and of course, he's given the cold shoulder by all three of them. 
And when Trent starts apologizing for the incarceration, he didn't know she was caught. She turns on him and says, yeah, well, who's Lulu and Trixie and Fifi and Rosita Chiquita Juanita? It's clear that Tramp is the one who's in the doghouse now, so he reluctantly leaves just as the rain starts to fall. It's so hard to stay judgment-free, isn't it? Now, even Lady has slipped into that trap, and she's judging Tramp's uh, uh, professed affection for her as being insincere because he has this history of being a ladies' man or a ladies' dog, I guess you might say. That's one of the challenges for all of us, isn't it? That, that we often make judgments about people based solely upon their past actions or experiences. We've all done things, said things, experienced things that we would like to have stricken from our records, haven't we? As Philip Longfellow Anderson writes in his book, The Gospel in Disney, there have been moments in the past when every person has been at his or her worst, maybe even months or years instead of just moments. But there are other moments, too. We have to see the whole person before we can truly judge him or her. And, and ultimately, Jesus said, that's God's job to judge, not ours. C. Welton Gaddy, in his book, Adultery and Grace, put it so perfectly when he said, none of us should be known exclusively by our worst moment. I love that. None of us should be known exclusively by our worst moments. To finish up the movie... Remember that Tamp, Tramp has just snuck off into the night, and that's when this happens. Well, Tramp hears ladies barking. He rushes back to see what's wrong, and she tells him about the rat in the nursery. So uh, she has him go through the doggy door to get into the house, and he quickly makes his way through the darkness up the staircase. He gets into his protective mode, which we've seen uh, more than once in this film. And he enters the nursery, and a flash of lightning reveals the target. A dramatic fight scene ensues, and a lady breaks free from her chain, rushes upstairs to help. She gets there just in time to see Tramp flick the rat off the baby's crib just in the nick of time. Of course, the ruckus wakes up Aunt Sarah, and Tramp chases the rat behind the chair in the corner, ultimately emerging victorious. They did it. They save the baby by stopping the threatening rat attack. But they, they don't even have much time to celebrate because Aunt Sarah comes in, sees the knocked-over crib, assumes Tramp has been attacking the baby, and uh, locks him into the closet, calls the dog catcher immediately. Lady is dragged down the stairs into the basement, and the dog catcher is leading Tramp away uh, to the paddy wagon when Jim Deere and Darling return home from their weekend away. What's going on, they ask. Oh, just some stray who was attacking a baby. Can you imagine hearing that the first time you've been away from your child, right? Well, of course, they panic. Uh, they rush into the house. Jock and Trusty overhear this conversation. They wonder how Tramp could have been so cruel as to attack the baby. Well, Lady breaks out of the cellar, heads upstairs to the baby's room. She leads them right over to the corner where they discover the dead rat. And then everyone realizes Tramp wasn't attacking the baby he was protecting it. Well, embarrassed that they could have mistrusted Tramp's intentions, Jock and Trusty head out after the dog catcher, and Trusty has to dig deep in order to rediscover his bloodhound sense of smell. They eventually track down the paddy wagon on its way to the pound, and they try to keep it from reaching its destination. Meanwhile, Jim Deere and Darling, with Lady uh, behind, have gotten in the car themselves uh, to try to go to the dog pound. They all emerge at the same time, only to find the wagon overturned. Lady is glad to see Tramp again, but 
trustee is the one that took the brunt of the accident, and he's not moving. Let's see how this wonderful movie ends. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. The book by which uh, Walt Disney created this film originally had trustee dying in that accident. And, and the animators, that's what they drew in the early sketches. And, and then when Walt saw that, he thought, oh, oh, it's horrible. He was so crushed. He didn't want to have another Bambi episode, right? That was so traumatic for so many. And so he had the animators go back and rewrite the ending so that Trusty just had a broken leg, but he came back to the family at Christmas. Boy, life is full of ups and downs, isn't it? Lady and the Tramp, as well as Jesus' Sermon on the Mount from the Gospel of Luke, remind us... We are not called to be in the judging business. That's God's job. We're called to be in the business of forgiveness and extending grace to others. Because God knows we all need forgiveness. So may we spend uh, less time separating ourselves from those that we deem to be enemies and more time dispensing love and grace. That's what Jesus was teaching. Because that's how God sees us. All of us are imperfect, flawed human beings. But God's love, forgiveness, and grace is freely available to each one of us, even those that we disagree with. May we never forget that. Thanks be to God for this movie, this challenge, this teaching by Jesus, this chance to live it into our own lives. Amen.